lost his recipe for miracles, had lost the recipe for healings, had lost the cup of joy that he pours out upon us. Amen. He hasn't lost that touch of peace that he puts in our heart. Praise God. I tell you what, every time you come to the house of the Lord, I hope you leave with some of that or all of it. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But God is so good. And good to have Paula back with us. Give her a good hand and welcome her. Amen. Amen. It's good to have everybody back. Laura, good to have you. Give Laura a good hand. Amen. She'd be here every time if she could. I know that. Praise God. And uh, God is so good. Amen. We're just thankful for the, what the Lord's doing. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this is going to be, how many knows we're in a, a, a troubled time right now? If, if you didn't, give us a few minutes and we can share some things with you. <laughs> I'm not talking about personal. I, you know, sometimes we get, we get all bogged down in our personal troubles that we realize that there is a world out there that God has placed us in this earth as the salt of this earth. We're the preserver of what God wants to do in this earth until the trump of God sounds. We are the salt of the earth. And, you know, sometimes we want to get plucked out of here too quickly. But listen, and some, God's got his timetable and all that, by the way. But the thing is, we, I, I don't have a desire to just leave. I have a desire to go in the presence of God when it's time. But I have a desire to do his will. On this earth until Jesus blows that trumpet. Hallelujah. And the trump of God sounds. But I want to share some things with you this morning that uh, I, I've been dealing with. I was going to try to do it all in one message, but I got to thinking that I want to keep everybody in church and get them coming back. So I didn't want to do it all at one time. So <laughs> uh, anyway, but but in this time of trouble... And we, we have to all agree one thing, and I believe every preacher agrees in every church that's godly and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they agree that this is the end times. And then when the end times come, didn't Jesus say there was going to be some evil? Didn't he tell the disciples evil was going to be here? Uh, they were going to rise up against them, persecute them. We're only seeing a fringe of persecution here in America. Other parts of the world have seen great depths of persecution. India is, is, is and there's a whole, listen, millions of Christians in England, by the way. But at the same time, there's millions and millions and millions of people in India. But in India itself, there's things and there's persecution against the Christians in India. There's persecution against the Christians in Africa. There's persecution against Christians in Germany. There's, pers there's persecution against Christians in Russia still, the Soviet Union. They're still oppressing Christians. China is making a double whammy on the Christians now. They're going after the home churches in China. And home churches was a big thing back uh, just, just recently. I mean, the home churches were being filled up with people that wanted Jesus and wanted the things of God in their life. But the China government is going against them. Why? Because God is, God's people is a threat. God's people is a threat to everything that the devil has that he's putting out on people today. We're a threat to it. 
You know why? Because it's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. I don't care how good they make it sound. They're, they're coming against God's people. And listen, uh, somebody said, well, you better be careful, Brother Clarence. This is going out. And I, I said, that's good. Somebody needs to tell them. They're telling our president everywhere he goes. They've got signs up against him, you know. Some of them you can't repeat, you know. But, uh, but, but what I'm saying is, it's not the man that we're against. How many understands that? It's not an individual that we're standing against. We're standing against the anti-Christ spirit. The anti-God spirit that is infiltrating and they're being used by that. Not real, Some of them don't realize it fully, how much they're used, but they're being used. But look at Hebrews 6. Because I wasn't going to do a whole thing on four anchors, but there's four anchors that we're going to be talking about in the next few services. But four anchors that will hold your ship. How many knows we, how many knows you got a personal responsibility for this, this body? This person. Your household. Your family. You've got that personal responsibility. Then we have a joint responsibility for our church. God's people. The church people and the people of God. We have a joint responsibility. But we have that responsibility and we have some things that God's put in our heart so that we can stand strong. How, how many has ever felt like the wind's just been blowing against you and just blowing against you and blowing against you and blowing against you? And you think, Lord, I can't take no more. I've been there before. We've all been there before. And we can't take no more. And the things that we were going through were personal things. But I want to tell you something. We're going through things jointly here in the near future as a body of Christ and a body of believers. And we're going to have to have our faith in God. Now, I want to read something in Hebrews 6 where the writer Paul is writing to the church of Hebrews. He said, This hope that we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We have a hope as an anchor. Our hope is our anchor. Of the soul. And, and we can't deny storm clouds are brewing. We're seeing things. Uh, how many has ever sat out on your porch and you, you heard about a storm coming in? And you sat there and you could see the clouds. They start coming. They get closer. Then they start getting darker. And then they start, the wind starts picking up. And then all of a sudden it's really dark. It's like nighttime in the daytime. When the, I'm talking about a heavy, severe storm coming in. And you sit there and watch it come in. And listen, we've been sitting here for several years now watching the storm building on the horizon. And it's been building and building and building and building. It's coming. It's almost up on us. The storm is up on Listen, the coming of the Lord draws nigh. The coming of the Lord draws nigh. He said he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. That's, that's how fast it's going to happen. So regardless of what's happening out here, just like that, God can snatch us out. <laughs> Amen? So our hope is in him. But storm clouds are brewing. Trees, trees that are strong and rooted. How many have ever seen big, strong trees just uprooted by these storms? I'm seeing strong believers that one time were strong in their faith against the powers of darkness. 
that these things that are happening is beginning to shake them and make them wobbly and their root system is not as strong as what it should be. And they're getting, they're getting blown about by the storms and by the wind that's blowing. Now, listen, I'm not saying we're not going to feel the effects of it. But I'll tell you one thing. We're secure in Him. We're secure in Jesus. We're secure in Christ. And ships that are not anchored during a storm can be blown off course and shipwrecked. If they're not anchored. That's, you know, anchors are important. First thing they teach you in the Navy is about to anchor. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, and the question is, the whole, the big question is, is our anchor secure? As that old song said, my anchor holds and grips that solid rock. Is our anchor secure? And like all, many of you, we've all come through threatening storms. We've all come through crises. Some of us have come through personal storms. Some of us have come through personal crises, family crises, uh, sickness crises, financial crises. We, every one of us have come through some crises during our lifetime and during the, even probably during the last few months. We've all hit a crisis in our point, in our life. And we've come through these threatening storms. And right now, our nation is in an upheaval. We're, we're, we're in an upheaval right here in our nation. And, uh, and, and there's extreme uncertainty right now. Listen, you don't know what's going to happen the morning you wake up and turn on the news. You don't know what's happening in this world. You don't know what's going on in the boardrooms of the, uh, of the government officials. You know, we don't know what plans are being connived and, and being planned in order to control and take over. It's happening. It's happening. I'm not putting a fear, I'm not a fear-mongering message and preacher, but we need to know the facts and we need to understand that in spite of everything the devil's doing, in, in spite of the political storm, how many knows we got a political storm? You know, we're in the middle of a political storm right now. Even in our good state of Texas, there's a political storm raging right now. They're they're trying to root out, and I mean, there, there's people that's turning against the principles. Texas is not exempt from the storms, but I thank God for our government that we have right now. I thank God for our governor. I thank God for the leaders that we do have right now that are taking a strong stand and, and stand for God and believe God and believe in God. But you know what? The political storm, the pandemic storm, every time you turn around, there's a new virus or new version. You know, they got to keep something new out there to keep us all in fear. Now, we're not denying the fact that a virus isn't real. It is a real thing. It's taking lives. It is taking lives. But I want to tell you something. God is still the creator. God is still in charge. God is still in control. And I still believe this virus was man-made. And I believe it's been unleashed not only on our nation but around the world. This is a worldwide epidemic that's going on right now. And it's a worldwide thing, but it's a pandemic storm. The social storm of rebellion that we're facing right now. How many knows there's a social storm of rebellion out here? I mean, rebelling against the truth. You know, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, the Bible says. That's, that's a pretty heavy statement. 
Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. <laughs> that, that's amazing, isn't it? It's a sin. It's as a sin of witchcraft. Rebellion. That's why a child growing up has to be made to understand, and you got to drive that rebellion out. Did you know, man? It, man, when they're born in this world, they're born in sin. They're born in sin. Now, you may have a holy household, but they're still born in sin. They're conceived. It's, it's a, they're born in sin. But the thing is, we have to raise them, instruct them, impart into them the Word so that they can have that living power of God and the blood of Jesus applied to their lives in a personal way. We can't cover our kids for the rest of our lives. One day, they've got to make a personal decision. To accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to be uh, part of God's program. But there's a storm of rebellion against the truth of God. I was reading something. I'll, I'll be ministering on this sometime later. But I was reading some in the Old Testament where the, the rebellion was growing and how that uh, the leaders were teaching untruths and, and prophesying the wrong things. And, and what we're doing, our, 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 this thing didn't just start yesterday, by the way. This, this anti-God movement is in the churches, not just in the world. There's an anti-God movement in our churches. Even your big, and I, I'm not going to quote names or anything, but even the large mega churches that are... I mean, numerous with people, numbers of people in these. I'm telling you, there's one in another country. They've got great songs that came out of there. But I want to tell you something. Their gospel is not gospel. Their gospel is not pure. Their gospel is not holy. Their gospel is not really lifting up Jesus Christ. Uh, they had a big church in New York. They got churches all over the world, this particular church. All over the world. And in New York, they had a, a women's conference with thousands of women. And they had the associate pastor of that church come out as the naked cowboy. Everybody's ever heard of the naked cowboy up in New York? Oh, he's, he's a real person. <laughs> well, I say a real person. It's, uh, that's, that's what he does. He comes out naked, singing and worshiping. This is a spirit-filled church, supposedly. It's, it's, wrong. it's not filled with the right spirit, by the way. But these things are happening. Big churches are coming against word-believing churches. And if you don't hook up with them, you're going to shrink, they said. But I tell you what, I'm never going to compromise the Word of God. Holiness isn't compromised. Salvation isn't compromised. The Holy Ghost isn't compromised. And we need to understand that God's Word is truth and there's a storm of rebellion against the truth of God. Why? Because the devil knows if people get the truth of God, they're going to be made free. Because Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I tell you, thank God. But listen, I'm not saying all big churches are that way. I want to phrase that so everybody knows what I'm talking about. Not all big churches are like that. But the thing is, there's a lot of them that are feeling like because they're so successful in the worldly realm financially, bigness, and all of that, that they can get by with anything. I want to tell you something. God still requires holiness. God still requires what he wants out of us. But I tell you what, 
The good news I want to leave you with today is we win. <laughs> Look at somebody next to you and say, I win. We all win. Amen. If we set our anchors and be steadfast in our faith. We've got to be steadfast. And that's, there's four anchors that I'm going to be talking about. But the first one today is I want to talk about the anchor of hope. Because we need hope. You need hope. And we need to find out what hope is. Hope is not just, I sure hope God shows up. I sure hope God heals me. I sure hope, no, that's not hope. That's wishing. Hope is confidence. Hope is a confident expectation that God is who he is and he will do what he says he'll do. That's what hope is. And the Apostle Paul, formerly the Saul of Tarsus, remember him? Was transformed by God's grace. And uh, he learned the secret of trusting God. Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, the apostle, had to learn the secret of trusting God. And, and, he, and you remember, he was the main enforcer against the, uh, of the persecution of the church, against the church. He stood there with holding the coats of the people when Stephen was stoned. He did a lot of ugly, mean, terrible things, and people were afraid of him when they heard of Saul of Tarsus coming. But you know, when he gave, shortly after the riot, and the Saul of Tarsus was knocked off his horse. I mean, listen, I tell you what, God can knock down any dictator in this world and knock them off their chair and show them who he is. Now, I'm not saying that they'll survive. <laughs> I'm not saying that the country will survive. It depends on the, the deputies and the people around him what happens. But I'll tell you what, God, Saul got knocked off his horse, blinded and fearful in Acts 9, verse 17, breathing out threatenings against the disciples of the Lord. And he went into the, uh, to the, to the high priest. But listen. And, and uh, Ananias was beckoned by God to go to Saul of Tarsus and lay hands upon him. Ananias, a prophet of the Lord, a, a disciple of the Lord. God said, I want you to go pray for a man that was blinded. I blinded him. <laughs> I, bl- I knocked him off his horse. So I'd like to see some people get knocked off their horses. Isn't that pitiful that a preacher would say that? But you know what? It would do, be for their good because if God knocks them off the horse, he's got something better waiting on them if they'll just submit to him and God can transform their lives and, and Saul of Tarsus. But look, Saul, he got saved, delivered, Ananias found him in the house where God told him to go to. And he said, go in there and you pray and lay hands upon him. Then he'll receive the Holy Ghost because he's going to preach to many nations and be a, be a disciple to many nations and, and win many to the Lord and to the kingdom of God. And Ananias said, I've heard of him, Lord. You just go and do what I say. He's already waiting on you. Because, see, God always works on both ends. And he was working on him. Paul's ministry took him from Jerusalem to Greece and Macedonia, Athens, Corinth. Ephesus, Jerusalem, he came before the Sanhedrin court, and because of that, he ended up in Rome, uh, and that's the place where he gave his life for the gospel. But on the way to Rome, there's something happened to Paul. They were taking him, and they got in a boat with some people to go on a destination in Acts 27. Now, I won't read the whole chapter, but you can read it, but nobody but Paul a storm came up in the middle of their trip, you know. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be in a boat when a storm comes up. 
I'd rather be closer to the shore. <laughs> Amen. And so, don't have to worry about this preacher going and buying himself a yacht. <laughs> if they're going to talk about me, they're going to talk about my crazy preaching. <laughs> Amen. But, but what happened is, this, Paul was part of this group on the boat. And they were all there on the boat. And then this storm came up. They even had names for their storms back then. I don't have the name here, right here before me, but, uh, you know, that storm came up and, and, uh, it was like a, I guess like a hurricane, something like that that was coming in. And there was panic running. People were running, throwing, tossing everything overboard to take a toss over so the ship wouldn't go down and lighten the ship. They hadn't seen the sun or the sun, they hadn't seen the sun, the sunshine or the moon or the stars. Fourteen days they were in this storm. I don't know about you, but I'd rather, I'd rather weather out a storm in my house. I don't want to be in a houseboat somewhere weathering a storm. But, Fourteen days, they didn't even see light. They did everything they could think of, but the storm kept coming. I want to tell you something. Church, churches don't need to condemn themselves for the storm that's hitting our nation. We don't need to condemn ourselves because people are being affected and seemingly some people are drifting away from the Lord rather than coming to the Lord. But we don't need to be uh, blaming ourselves for that, is what I'm saying. And because we need to understand that God's Word is truth. Amen? But they did everything they could. They wrapped the ship with ropes, but board by board, the ship was creaking, falling apart. Where are we? They didn't even know where they were. I mean, the storm was so bad. Have you ever been in a storm? You, don't, you can't see ahead of you, and, and the rain's coming down so hard, you can't even see what's in front of you and, and all of that. But what are we going to do? Where are we? Can somebody think of anything? I mean, you know, have you have, hey, hey, somebody, come give me an answer. Some of you have been in physical storms. Some of you have been in social storms. Some of you have been in marital storms. And you say, somebody come help me. There's people out there crying for help right now. Amen? They're in a storm. But I'll tell you what, I think it's pretty fairly, it's a pretty fair description of what's happening to our beloved ship. The USA right now, there's a storm raging. There's a storm raging. I'm just trying to emphasize that fact. We need to understand there is a storm raging. It's not over because of a particular man in the president's seat. Sometimes we think our hope is in somebody else taking his place, coming in and being in that position. Now, I believe God puts people in those positions. How many understand what I'm saying? But man is not our hope. God is our hope. God is our answer. God is the one that's going to see us through. But I want you to see what he did. The, the, the fearing lest they should run around on the four rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stem and prayed for the day to come. They, they Four anchors they had. Now, these anchors weren't little bitty things. They were big, big anchors, heavy anchors. They dropped over and they wished for the day. And the sailors in fear and attempted to escape from the ship, the sailors led a lifeboat down into the sea. 
pretending. Now, look at this, what these sailors were doing. They were pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow, but they were really lowering a lifeboat so they could get in it and get out of there. I don't know where they'd go with the storm raging like it was, but that's what their mindset was because they knew the ship was going to be destroyed, literally destroyed. And they were going to lower it. And look what Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers when they caught these men. Hey, by the way, nobody gets away with anything. Politicians don't get away with anything. Government officials don't get away with anything. It may look like they're getting away with it, but one day God catches up. One day God puts his foot down. One day God takes control. Amen? But look, look what he told them. Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, don't let them go. You've got to have everybody on this ship. We're going to be saved. But don't let this happen. So the, agent, so the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Now, that seemed like that was their only way out. Lifeboat. <laughs> How many lifeboats have we tried to get in our situations? And try to get it. But I want to tell you something. God has, is our hope. Jesus is our hope. The anchors we have are going to hold and the anchors we have are going to see us through. And I want to talk just a few minutes here on the, on the first anchor, hope. Now, the Greek word for, uh, for hope, it means expectation, trust, confidence. In other words, to anticipate or to welcome. It's an expectation of what is sure. See, sometimes you don't see the sure thing. You don't see the evidence of the sure thing. But because you've got hope, hope is a big word in the Bible. Hope thou in the Lord. Hope is important for every one of them. Hope is that expectation, that trust. Now, I, I don't believe hope is a, a beggarly hope. You know, like I, I don't come in from somewhere and... And come in the house, and I sure, boy, I sure hope my wife has got dinner cooked. That becomes worry then. Amen? I come in one time like that, and she said, yeah, I got it figured out. Get in the car. We're going to go get something to eat. <laughs> well, that's okay, because she knows I like to go eat, too. So, you know, that, that's fine. But, what, but it's expectation. Webster calls it a favorable expectation. The Hebrew and Greek means a confident expectation. In other words, a confident expectation is this. I hope God's Word is true. How many ever heard anybody say talk like that? Well, I sure hope God comes through. I hope God does this. I hope. No, no, no. The word hope is really a confident expectation. It's better than I hope God's word is true. See, if you say I hope God's word is true, you're doubting God's word is true. Hope is a confident expectation. Now, if you hope in the word, that means you've got a confident expectation that word is going to be fulfilled by God. Because God said he would honor his word and fulfill it in our lives. So, Hope is more than, well, I sure hope so. 
You know, sometimes it seems like we're getting our little hand slapped sometimes, you know, when we come to church. The preacher gets to preach like this. Now, behave yourself. Quit talking like that. Amen? You know what God wants us to talk like? Talk like God's people. Talk like believers. Talk like we know God. Talk like we have confidence in God. Not... Well, I sure hope so. I sure hope. No, no, no. That's the wrong hope. There is a biblical hope, and that's what we want. But there's four kinds of hope. Number one, there's a joyful hope. God wants us to have the joy of the Lord. Look at Romans 12, 11, and 12. Not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. But be joyful and rejoicing in hope. We rejoice in hope. Hope is that confident expectation. That's why we can praise God in advance. That's why we can praise God before the feelings come. That's because that's where we can praise God before you see evidence of anything that you're praying for and believing for. It doesn't matter. You prayed to God. And God said he would hear and he would answer. He would manifest. He would perform. He would do what he said he would do. But we can't just sit there and use that hope in the American sense. I hope God comes through. Oh, dear Lord, Brother Clarence, I hope God has. I sure hope he shows up. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That confident expectation is God is coming. God is here. God is performing his word. God is doing what he said he would do. That's a confident hope. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, don't shout me down because I'm doing so good. There's also a patient hope. Look at Romans 8.25. But if we hope for what we do not see, okay, how many knows you don't always see the answer? Sometimes you don't feel the healing. Amen? Sometimes you don't see with your natural eyes, the things that God wants to do. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with what? With perseverance. So hope is patient. Hope isn't just a glimmer of hope. You know, some people say, I've got a glimmer of hope. But then the next day you see them and that glimmer of hope is gone. And they're back in the same boat again. Why? Because they didn't have that patience, a patient hope. Waiting for it with perseverance. See, just because you don't see the manifestation of something today doesn't mean God's not working behind the scenes. God is working behind the scenes. God is working in areas that our natural eyes can't behold. God is moving. Sometimes there are spiritual demons that have to be removed. Sometimes there's spirits that, listen, I believe the devil's in, in charge uh, of, of any chaos that's in, in our lives. He's the one that's causing it. And, and what he does, if he can get you to agree with him, you're just going to help him succeed. But the thing is, what we're going to do is say, no, sir, my hope is in the Lord, and I'm going to wait for it with perseverance. Number three, there's a living hope. Look what it said in Titus 2, 1. 
I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, is it Titus 2 1? Well, anyway, let's read this scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But we have a living hope from God. A live, listen, our hope is alive. If your hope's not alive, you go down like this. Oh, Brother Clarence. How are you doing today? Oh, Brother Clarence, you don't want to know. Oh, Lord Jesus. I've been, you don't have a living hope. Amen. I like to go up to people that's in the middle of a storm, the middle of a trial, middle of tribulation, middle of persecution, whatever it might be, and say, how's everything going? Oh, Brother Clarence, glory to God. I've got that blessed hope. In other words, God is going to come through. It's a blessed hope. Amen. It's a living hope. It's a blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and glory disappearing. But hope is the proper response that we need to have to address the promises of God. We have to have hope. Look at Abraham. He serves kind of as a prime example. Even though he was very old, he had confidence that God would fulfill his promise. Abraham had nothing but a word from God. Those things would not stay the same. God gave him the assurance by the covenant that was cut between them. In Genesis 15, remember, they cut covenant together. That was actually the first covenant. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. But that Abrahamic covenant is the covenant of the Jews today. It's still their covenant today. And we have been grafted in. See, we're Gentiles. We didn't even deserve it. But we got grafted in. We're grafted in to this Abrahamic covenant. The blessings of God. And I'll tell you what, you need to study out that Abrahamic covenant. I, I did a series when I first came here on the blood covenant. And it took us about 15 sessions. But I'll tell you what, it's worth doing again. I, I, that's, the covenant is my favorite subject. Because I tell you what, that's our hope. That's our life. That's our life stream is the covenant of God. Now look what Romans 4, verse 17 through 18. This is what God said in the covenant to Abraham. And Paul's relating this in Romans uh, as he's talking to the Romans. He said, it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. And this is what God did in the covenant in Genesis 15. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead... And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Listen, he's talking about Abraham. That was a covenant that God made with him in Genesis 15. When you begin to read that entire chapter of Genesis 15, and you'll see where God came down and, and cut covenant. There was a blood covenant ceremony that went on. Abraham had to be put to sleep <laughs> during that covenant ceremony. But during that covenant ceremony... God began to do some things. In the covenant, I mean, you, there's a whole lot of things in the covenant I won't go over today, but one of them is the name change. God is a name change that comes with it. Abram was his name. It was Abram. But God said, now you will be called Abraham. Abraham means the father of the multitudes. <laughs> and Sarah, her name was Sarai. 
And God said, her name shall be Sarah, the mother of the blessed and the mother of this multitudes. Sarah, to be the mother, had to have children, right? She couldn't have children. But God did something supernatural that night. Abraham was 90 years old. Or Sarah was 90. Abraham was about 100. 99. He was 99 years old, and Sarah was in her 90s. Close to 90. I don't have that exactly right, but we'll miss it by a year or two. (laughs) That's still old. How many of you older ladies would like to have a baby today? (laughs) But to see, the thing is, God changed. When that Abrahamic came into being, God spoke the promises, and he gave them the boundaries, by the way, the boundaries of the properties that Israel would have. Israel doesn't have those boundaries now, but those boundaries will be theirs before the coming of the Lord, before he comes back physically to this earth. Those boundaries will be there. I don't care who, I don't care what nation, I don't care what king, I don't care what president, I don't care who says anything, God's promises are still the thing to look for. And God promised Israel boundaries. That boundary that they had, when they first became a nation in 1948, it was just a little bitty spot that they gave them. And then the Six-Day War happened in 67, and they gained a whole lot more territory. Supernatural things happened, by the way, in that Six-Day War. Things that you might read about in the Bible, you know. But they were supernatural things that took place, and those boundaries changed. And they've got, that's still not all their boundaries. It hasn't happened yet. But God says it will happen. Now, if God did that, I believe he'll complete what he started. And what we have to understand is that our God is that same covenant God, and what he started with you, he will complete it also. But we've got to have that anchor of hope down in our hearts. Amen? But like Abraham, we can, uh, what did it say? Let's read that again. I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom we believe, God who gives life to the dead, life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Ooh. Somebody said, oh, Brother Clarence, now I don't want to get into that old faith stuff like that, you know. That's, 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 I'm, I'm not talking about it out here going out and touching an old Studebaker and say, I call you, uh, uh, you're a limousine. You know, I, no, that, that's foolish. <laughs> that's foolish. But I believe we can call those things that be not as though they were what's according to the word. How many knows if your body's not healed, you're going to call it healed because God's word says by his stripes you were healed. We may not see it, we may not feel it, but God's Word declares it, and we can call those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, I'm going to preach myself happy. But look what he said. He gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed. Contrary to hope and hope believed. He believed in hope. And so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And like Abraham, we can trust God's promises and seize the hope that's set before us. We can, we can take hold of what God's promised us as a believer. Listen, this is our covenant right here. You can read, and I tell you, I like to read the Old Testament because it just confirms the New Testament is what it does. 
The Old Testament predicts, the New Testament fulfills. And we see the fulfillment of the Word of God in the New Testament. So thank God for what God's given us. And we, we're, we're told what, what the, the, that the Scriptures engender hope. Whatever things were written, look at Romans 15, 4. Whatever things were written before were written for our benefit or for our learning. Everything that's in this Bible was written for our benefit, for our learning. In 2021, God looked down in 2021 and said, Paula's going to have to have some things that she can rely on. This was written for our benefit. This is our, listen, this is our benefit package right here. How many of you ever went to work and start working somebody? Well, what's my benefit package? <laughs> well, here, you want to read it? Here's about 150 pages. Take a look. <laughs> no, just give me a short version. You know, I don't want the short version. I want to get every detail. Get every detail. And I'll tell you what, don't take the short version by just hearing a preacher preach here and there. Get in this Word and study what the Word says and get the full benefit that God has for us. God has something big for us. Can you say amen? Amen. And, and the Scripture. And the Holy Spirit's our source of hope. Look at Romans fifteen thirteen. Uh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you, hear, did you hear that? Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope. Listen, when you're going through your trial, when you're going through that test, when you're going through that thing where you don't see the manifestation of what God's Word declares yet, you know what the Holy Ghost is going to do? He's going to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You're, the joy of the Lord will be there when you don't feel like rejoicing. The peace of God will be there when everything in the world says it's against everything you believe. But God's joy and His peace, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hope. How many glad you got hope? Hope comes as a gift from God through grace. Look at what he said in 2 Thessalonians 2, 15-16. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you were taught. Whether by word or epistle. Listen, traditions. I want to tell you something. Our Pentecostal ranks and our full gospel ranks, we got some tradition. Amen? You, you don't hear much talk about, and I'm not talking about in just Pentecostal, I'm talking about in the church as a whole. You don't hear a whole lot of talk about the coming of the Lord. Some people act like they're going to live in this earth forever. Some people act like, boy, I don't want to see all this stuff happen because I'm not, you know, you know why? Because they're not ready to go. They're not prepared to go. I'll be glad when Jesus comes. No, you won't. If you would really be looking for Jesus, you'd be living for Jesus. If you're really looking for the Lord, you're going to be, you're going to get yourself holy and righteous and right and love and get all that bitterness. How many understand what I'm saying? If you're really looking for it, but it comes uh, he said, He'll fill you with all joy and peace, and stand fast, holding the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and our God and Father, who has loved us, given us everything, consolation and good hope by grace. And finally, hope leads to joy. Your hope brings joy. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Oh, why did you have to bring that part in there? Because it came with it. 
You can't take part of the word and leave the rest of it out. It's like a man that's seeking a word from the Lord. He opened his Bible. And the man went out and hung himself. Oh, Lord, I don't want that. Dear Lord. And whatever you do, do it quickly. (laughs) Well, I, I don't think we're going to get the promises of God that way. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Hope increases your boldness. A person who loses hope is heart sick. You ever seen somebody that just don't handle joy? And you go up to them, is everything okay? Yeah, Brother Clarence. It's okay. You lying thing. It's not wrong to admit you got a trial that you're going through. How many understand what I'm saying? It's nothing wrong to admit that, you know, the pressures are there. That's why we have each other. If any two shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done to the Father which is in heaven. That's why we have each other. Can you say amen? Hope leads to joy. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continued steadfastly in prayer. Without hope, there's no patience and no prayer. Hope increases your boldness. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Listen, when you've got hope, you can speak boldly. You can speak boldly. I, I'm not afraid to speak boldly because I know whom I serve. I know whom I believe. I know what the Word says about certain things. I don't know the Word on everything, but I know most of it. And the things that matter to me and the things that matter to what God's telling me to share. But I'm trying to get more and more. <laughs> increase in the Word. Increase in knowledge. Amen. Look at, since we have such hope in Second Corinthians 3 verse 12, we use great boldness of speech. But a person who loses hope is heart sick. Proverbs thirteen twelve: hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. A person without no hope has no confidence. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward. Our hope, that hope brings confidence. Thank God. A person with hope moves in faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. Hoped for. See, hope is a good word. And it's, and it's things that you've hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. But a person with hope sees a bright future ahead. Amen? This is what God wants us to have is hope. That anchor of hope gets a good grip on the bottom of the ocean. Did you know when an anchor goes down, it, it hits the bottom of the ocean or the bottom of the bed there, you know, wherever it's at, in the river or whatever. It, that anchor, it grips the bottom and the bottom of the ocean doesn't move. The bottom of the ocean doesn't move. The boat may move up here, but that anchor's holding you fast. And our anchor of hope is what's going to hold us. Doesn't matter what the ocean does. Doesn't matter. You know why? Because I want to read this last scripture, Hebrews 6, 16 through 20. For many these swear by the greater and an oath of confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things it's impossible for God to lie. 
we might have strong consolation and fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope gives you entrance in the behind the veil. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I want to tell you something. We, you've got an anchor today called hope. Let it down. And it's not the kind of hope like we think of hope. Oh, oh, oh I sure hope so. I sure hope so. No, no, no. It's a confident expectation. My hope is in the Lord. My confidence is in the Lord. My strength is in the Lord. Therefore, I'm anchored with the hope. I hope in God. Hope thou in God, the Bible says. Hope thou in God. I hope My hope's not in a political system. My hope's not in a religious system. My hope's not in a denomination. Listen, there's Pentecostal denominations today that have forsaken the ways of God. The ways of God. Holiness is not part of their life no more. In some full gospel, Pentecostal organizations, uh, literally, I'm talking about some that were famous for many of our great evangelists that lived the life and believed God. But today, they don't even preach the word. They allow things to happen that shouldn't be. God still has His laws concerning genders. I don't care if... if, if if one of my granddaughters came to me and said, Papa, I'm not a girl no more. I'd say, what? But you know, this is happening all over America today. It's happening all over America today. I want to tell you something. God knew what he made when he made you. <laughs> and God has a purpose for us when he makes us. There's a divine purpose for every person. And I'll tell you what, we just need to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But I want to tell you something. We need to get a hold of this hope anchor, cast it out, let it hit the bottom of the ocean right now, because that's what's going to keep us. God's hope. Amen. Father, we thank you. We just praise you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our hope. Our hope. Amen. <laughs> Is based on the Lord. Oh, glory to God. How many glad that we got a word that we can praise God for? Let's just sing that chorus that old song, Blessed Assurance, that we did a little earlier. And let's just shut our eyes and shut everybody else out. And lift your hands to the Lord. And let's sing it to Him. This is my story. This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long This is my story This is my song Praising 
my Savior all the day long. Oh, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day Paul, I want you to get up and just lay hands on Laura back there behind you. <clears throat> Doris, just go over there and lay hands on her with her, would you? And just, just I want you just to... Laura, I'm just going to have them to pray for you. You just need some undergirding. You need some undergirding of love. The undergirding of faith. Father, right now, just undergird Laura. Oh, God, just minister to her. Let that joy of the Lord be her strength, Lord. Let that peace rule her heart and mind right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we don't care what it looks like in the natural. We don't talk about what it looks like in the natural. Lord, we're going to stand on your word. And today, Laura has that firm foundation she stands on. God, we thank you for the power of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Well, Lord, you just need to know you got people here that love you. We're not, listen, none of us are standing alone with anything that we're going through. None of us stand alone. We should never stand alone. We should always have someone that we can go and stand with us. Let's stand to our feet one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for today. Blessings on every one of you. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a... We're, I don't know what God... We love to have a Holy Ghost runaway. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you as you go. Amen. that other one there that says share on the bottom it says share there that's sharing (laughs) 